0: While it is slightly old news to most of us here, it is exciting to finally be in the new building and to be able to gather together and to worship in a place that's it's ours. And It's exciting, all the changes that are coming and all of the opportunities that we have going forward. I hated that I had to miss the first Sunday, but we had a great week at Foundations. We had 150 campers and we had one baptism that week, and it was really an exciting time for those who are young in the Lord's church. If you would please open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. That's Jonah. For many of us, we understand that there are things in life that we have to do that maybe we don't necessarily want to. When we're younger, we may not be the ones who want to clean our room. We may not be the ones who want to have to do the chores around the house. As we get older, we still don't want to do the chores around the house. They just are bigger and more time consuming. We also don't want to be the ones that have to sit in line at DMVs and deal with all the different things we have to deal with at or go to the utility departments and take care of all those details. There's lots of different things we have to do that we don't necessarily want to. That's not necessarily something that we want to put ourselves through. And Christianity really is no different. There are some things in Christianity that we do not want to do. Why? They're hard. They're painful. You struggle through them. There's lots of different things that we have to see, even throughout the scriptures of people who had to deal with really horrible circumstances. But the book of Jonah is one that offers us a little bit of a different picture. You see, Jonah had to do something he didn't want to do, but it was something that was actually good. He didn't want to do something that was good. See, there's a difference in some of the things we just talked about. They're not necessarily good or bad, they're just difficult. In fact, in James chapter one, verses one through three, some of the things that those people were facing were not things that they had done wrong. It was things that the world was bringing against them. Remember, he says, my brethren, consider it to be a joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Because the trying of your faith worketh patience. It worketh patience. The things that we suffer, the things that we deal with, they make us grow stronger. They make us stronger for the next moment. But Jonah was slightly different. See, Jonah was told to do something by God, and instead of listening to what he had to say and understanding this is necessary, understanding this is a good thing, he saw it as a problem. He saw what God had commanded him to do as something that was wrong. So this morning, I would like us to consider three points from the entire book of Jonah, and don't worry, we're not going to have to break down every single word. We'd be here all all day long, even though that would be a great thing to do, by the way but we're going to consider three different points. First of all, we're going to understand that Jonah was given a call. Jonah was given a call to do something. Second, we will notice that Jonah was cruel about that call. And third, we'll notice that Jonah was corrected. So let's start off with this point of Jonah was given a call. Let's look at Jonah chapter one, starting in verses one and two. The Lord, according to this passage, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So verses 1 and 2 is where that call takes place. We understand this is the circumstances. God tells him to go to Nineveh, that great city... And cry out against it. Now for those who may not know the history of that city. That was a very wicked city. A very horrible place to go. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians were well known to be very cruel and wicked people. They would leave their victims out to dry so that their enemies would see just how powerful we are and say you're not safe. Imagine today if the Lord told you to go preach to one of the most wicked people that you could imagine. You know that you're very likely going to die if you even go there. But more than that, you might also struggle with the feeling of, why do I have to talk to them? Why do I have to be the one to talk to them? Why can't they just pay for what they've done? That's kind of what most people would think, right? They're getting what they deserve, they're getting their just desserts. Please don't make me go talk to them because you might help them. You might save them. And that selfish part of us would say, No, I don't want that. I want them to pay. I want them to see just how wicked they are. Jonah was told to go. God understood something that Jonah was missing. See, Jonah thought of himself to be far more righteous than these Ninevites, and they have far less of a right to come to God. But God understood that Jonah was no different than the people of Nineveh. Jonah was no different from the people of Nineveh, because if he decided to follow that same path, he would be in the same boat. The only difference in those who are righteous and those who are wicked is who they choose to follow. We're still human. We still make mistakes. We still struggle with temptations. We still struggle with the fact that maybe I will let go of the Lord. Maybe I will stop following after Him. Maybe we struggle with doubts and concerns. You see, we're no different than those people, and Jonah was no different than those people either. We're all people who needed a Savior. The difference is that we found Him. We found the Savior. We found the path that He has laid out for us to follow. The people of Nineveh, they didn't have that. They did not have that yet. So Jonah was sent to be the one who was going to tell them what they needed to do, the path they needed to follow. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, specifically in verse 14, Paul, talking to the church in Rome, he tells them, How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? Outside these doors today, this very morning, are people who haven't had a preacher. People who may not have heard the Word of God, and maybe they're not following God simply because of ignorance. You see, it's easy to say, no one wants to listen anymore. No one cares anymore. The world is too crazy now. But is the world outside those doors today any crazier than a government coming around killing anyone who claims to be a Christian? Is the world outside right now any crazier than the Roman government coming into people's houses and burning manuscripts of the Bible to make sure no one else can learn about it? We see craziness outside those doors, but there's still people who want to hear. There's still people who have that heart of saying, I just want to know the truth. I want to know what to hold on to. And God understood there were hearts like that in Nineveh, too. There were hearts like that in Nineveh as well. People who wanted to hear what the Lord had to say, they just didn't know it. They had never been given the opportunity. And what Jonah was saying was he wanted to take that opportunity away from them. I don't want to do that. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, we read that the Lord wants all to be saved. He wants all to come to Him. Do we? Do we? As Christians, we're supposed to be Christ-like, correct? Followers of Christ trying to imitate the life that he laid out. But if we have a mindset of, I don't want someone to be saved. I want that person to pay for it. And that's not the mind of Christ. Because even God, in His infinite justice, never said the words, I want them to suffer. But in His justice, that's what He's had to do. We've mentioned many times in the past that no one's going to end up eternally lost because God sent them there. The only people who will be lost are those who chose to live their lives separated from God. Because if you think about it, God is light, God is life, God is goodness, God is mercy, God is love. And when you're separated from Him, what's left? Hell, darkness, pain, weeping, gnashing of teeth, sorrow. All the things that are opposite of God, the one place God is not because people chose that that's the opposite of what they wanted to be was a follower of his God wanted to give even the wicked people of Nineveh an opportunity now what Nineveh decided to do with that message that was their own business that was their own decision to make but he was going to give them a decision give them an opportunity See, this message was for them to turn away from their wickedness, to stop following after the path that they had been following for so long, to say, you have done wrong in my sight. Here's what will happen to you if you continue. God was going to destroy a wicked nation out of justice, not out of anger, not out of hatred, not out of just, oh, I just don't like these people anymore, so I'm going to wipe them out. They had committed the crime and they would have had to pay the offense unless they turned away from it. Unless they made it right. That was the message God was going to give to these people. But we'll notice, starting in verse 3, Jonah was cruel. We notice how Jonah was given that call. As Christians, we're all given a call to go out into the world and preach the gospel. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. We're all given that call, given that charge to go into all the world, bring them to Christ. Jonah was given that very same message, but he didn't like the audience. He didn't like who he was told to go talk to. So what does he do? Rather than saying, I don't want to do this, Lord. This is difficult, but because you said so, I'll go do it. We see examples of that in Scripture of people who didn't necessarily want to do it. Think about Ananias. The Lord tells him, go speak to Saul of Tarsus. Uh, God, (laughs) do you know who that is? (laughs) Do you know who you're asking me to go talk to? He says, yes, go talk to him. And what did Ananias do? He went. He went to go talk to him. But you see, Jonah was different than Ananias because Jonah didn't want these people to be saved and he was going to act on that. He said, Lord, I don't want to do this and you can't make me. You can't make me. So what does he do? He flees. He flees. In verse 3, it says, He went on a, He rose and fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Now, if you're looking at a map of the ancient world, Tarshish is in modern-day Spain. Where is Jonah? Israel? He literally, at that time, was willing to cross the known world to get away from doing what God told him to do. Tarshish would have been the farthest extent of the map. Because think about it for a second. Imagine you're living in Florida. Let's say you're living in the very tip of Florida. And God tells you to go preach to a particular city. And instead of going to that city, I'm going to Anchorage, Alaska. (laughs) That's what Jonah did. That was the decision he had made. God, you can't make me do it. I'm going to go as far away as possible. He wanted to see that city fall. In Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 1, we hear what he had to say about it. This is slightly fast-forwarding through this account, but let's notice what, he's, what happens here. So we notice in chapter 3, Jonah does preach in Nineveh. He talks to these people, and starting in verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. But then here we hear Jonah's example. Here's what Jonah had to say about it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, And he became angry, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know... Notice this for a second. I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Last I checked, verse 2 was not bad things about God. (laughs) And Jonah is saying, I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I know you're a good God. I knew if I went there and I preached to these people, there would be some who would listen. And you being a good and merciful God, you wouldn't destroy them. So what does he say? God, I would rather live in a world where Nineveh is destroyed and I would rather die in a world where it's saved. Pretty harsh, right? Imagine having that kind of a heart where you tell God, I would rather die because those people are alive. friends, we need to stop thinking that Jonah was a hero of the Bible. Jonah is an example that we should not follow. Jonah was an example that the Lord said, this is an example for you to know, this is a problem. When the Lord says to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that means we do not have an option on deciding who gets to hear it. That's not our place. If we decide that for ourselves, then we are saying, God, your word doesn't matter, mine does. Putting ourselves in the place of God. See, Jonah allowed his own personal feelings to get into the way. To get in the way of what God had had to say. He says, I don't want to do that. And before we start getting so mad at Jonah... I can almost guarantee every one of us have done it in the past. I can almost guarantee that. Maybe not anger. Maybe anger wasn't the emotion that got in the way. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was compassion. Maybe some emotion got in the way of doing what the Lord had asked us to do. Maybe I saw something that I needed to address. I needed to talk to this person. But instead of doing so, I let my own fear of rejection get in the way. Or maybe I I needed to talk to this person, but you know, they've just been so ugly to me. And so rather than saying that's a soul in need of a Savior, I say good riddance. we don't get to determine what our mission is. If we follow the name of Christ, if we follow after what He has said, when we are baptized into Christ and raised to walk in that newness of life, friends, it's not up to us anymore about what we do. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul describes that he was crucified with Christ. And from then on out, it was God who determined what He did. Because if I'm not willing to listen to what he has to say, why do I want to wear his name? Why do I want to wear his name if I'm not willing to listen to what he has to say? It doesn't really make sense, does it? We are called out of the world. Called to be something different. When the world looks inside these doors, does it see something different? Or does it just see the same old, same old? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says this is just the bare minimum. Giving God everything He asks for is the least we can do. Just think about how we have been in the past couple months, couple years, and how much of a struggle it's been for the church. It's only going to get harder. But God's carried us this far, hasn't He? God has helped us through what we needed in the past. Let's not doubt Him now. We have to have the mindset that he takes priority. He takes priority over everything in my life. And it's not me making the call. See, Jonah allowed his own cruelty to almost destroy over 100,000 people. But one soul is just as valuable. What is our mindset? What will we decide to do? Will we follow Jonah's example or will we follow the Lord's? See, we know that this is not acceptable behavior from Jonah because of what the Lord says. How does the Lord deal with this attitude from Jonah? Does he just say, well, I guess I'll just have to find somebody else who will do it. It's kind of funny when you think about it. When you think about how God handles this situation, Because it almost reminds me of the parent reaching out and grabbing a toddler by the ear and dragging them where they need to go. He says, no, I told you what you were supposed to do and you're not getting out of it that easy. You're not getting out of this. Let's see what he says, starting in verse 5. He says, all this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. Excuse me, that's Micah. Let me go back to actually Jonah here. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid. Now remember, Jonah has fled from Joppa. He's going to Tarshish. This is out on the ocean. Let's see what he says. Then the mariners, the sailors, were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. This might be the only example where Jonah actually imitated Christ. Because he was in the bottom of a boat asleep in the middle of a storm. That might be the only instance throughout this entire book where Jonah was similar to Christ. But let's see what happens next. So the captain came to him and came, or said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us that we may not perish. See, this captain comes into the bottom of the ship and he says, I'm open to any God at this point. Okay, let's try to figure out what we can do here. Call to your God. Ours aren't working. Do you just realize that this captain had more faith in a God than Jonah did? And he didn't even know who he was. See, Jonah knew his own God. He was a prophet. He was being spoken to by God. And instead of listening and believing who he was, he said, No, I can do my own thing. This captain says, I'm reaching out to anyone who will grab hold at this point. Let's hear what happens next. So he tells him to cry out to this God. And they said to one another, verse 7, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? This might be the most embarrassing thing that a servant of God has actually had to say. Listen. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Why would that be embarrassing? Because what's he doing? What's he doing? He has to confess to those who are not God's people, not following after the Lord, he has to confess to them, I'm a Hebrew. I'm not acting like it. One of the most embarrassing things that can happen to a Christian is when they're living unfaithfully and they have to show the world. But that's embarrassing. Because if I'm going to name the name of Christ, if I'm going to say I am a Christian and my life can't back it up, the world can see it. And Jesus Christ himself is just as angry at hypocrites as the world is. Jonah had to admit to these people that I am a follower of God and I don't look the part. Let's see what happens next. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then, that, or then the sea will be great, or become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Now, before we get too proud of Jonah right here and say, okay, he acknowledges, what would he still be able to do if he goes into the ocean? Get out of doing what he was supposed to do in the first place? Wouldn't it be just as easy for him to say, God, I'm sorry, turn this boat around and go to Nineveh? What was the reason the storm came upon those people? Was it because Jonah was alive? Or was it because Jonah had disobeyed God? These people, who were not followers of God, asked a servant of the Lord, Why is it that you follow after him and decided not to do what he said? Wouldn't that be a scathing critique on the Lord's church? If someone were to walk in and say, why don't you do X? The Bible tells you to do it. Why are you okay with this? The Bible says it's not okay. If we claim to follow after Christ, His Word must be final. Otherwise, we're just playing a part. God was not accepting of this idea. He was not going to accept what Jonah was going to do. He said, those people are going to be given an opportunity to hear. And even with Jonah's bright idea of throw me into the ocean, let me drown because then the sea will be fine for you. Sure enough, the sea was fine after that. But did Jonah drown? Did Jonah escape what he was supposed to do? No, God miraculously intervened and says, no, 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 not yet. You're going to do what I told you to do. And as a result of that, we see in Jonah chapter 3, what does he do? He goes to Nineveh, he preaches the gospel, they repent in sackcloth and ashes. He still ended up having to do what the Lord told him to do. Those people needed a Savior. They needed someone to tell them where they were wrong. Friends, we're the same way today. Romans three twenty three and Romans six twenty-three, what does that say together? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, all are going to die. But God offers a way out. That's the gift. That's the blessing that He offers. Throughout the entirety of Scripture, God creates mankind, man sinned. From then on out, God sets about showing you the seriousness of sin through the old law, showing you just how bad it is and the reason it has such serious consequences. That stays in place, prophesying the coming of a Christ, one who's going to be the Messiah, the one who can offer true salvation, not the blood of bulls and goats that can't take away sin, the book of Hebrews tells us. but the one who can offer once for all. And then after that, after Christ comes, He dies on the cross, He offers that way of salvation, He establishes His church. And He says, you take up my mantle. You pick up where I left off, and you follow it exactly. And then from there to the book of Revelation, we read of how we're supposed to live that life how we're supposed to act like God, the circumstances that come up. The apostles give us example after example of how to deal with the problems and the difficulties we face in this life and how churches are supposed to function, how Christians are supposed to live, how we're supposed to deal with conflict, how we're supposed to deal with moral issues, all those different aspects together. And in the book of Revelation, part of it deals with these people that are dealing with persecution and tells them to press on, to move forward. Why? Why? Because we win. We win. It may not look like it now. It may not always look like Christianity is winning. But friends, we are on the winning side if we're following after Christ. You see, Jonah, Jonah, he was called. We are as well. We're called to be different. We're called to be teachers. We're called to bring the lost to Christ. Jonah was cruel. Are we? Do we look at people and say, no, they're not willing to hear? Or no, that person won't ever accept it. Or I don't want that person to hear or to be a part of this church. Or do we rather say, that's a soul in need of a Savior. I was just as bad as they were at one point or another. They just need time. Jonah was corrected. He was shown the error of his ways. Friends, when we open this book, we're shown daily where we need to improve. Areas we can work on, areas we can improve. Will we accept what the Lord has had to say? Will we listen to him? Will we follow what he has told us to do? Only you can answer that question. I can't answer that question for you. I can look all on the crowd tonight and I can point out faces and names and say, oh, I think this person's a really good person, but the reality is I don't know. I see your actions, but I don't know your heart. I don't know where you stand with the Lord today. It could be the case that you're just great, you're fine. Help someone else be there too, help them where they're struggling. Maybe it's the case this morning that you know there is something wrong. There is a shortcoming that you have. Only you know about it. Only you can make that right. If it's of a private nature, talk to the Lord. Make it right. If it's of a public nature and one that needs to be addressed, we're willing to pray with you and help you today. Help to encourage and strengthen you. But maybe this morning you have never even named the name of Christ. You're not a member of the Lord's church. You're outside that door of safety. Don't leave today in that state. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed we can come back here tonight or Wednesday night. So why do you want to chance it? Why do you want to look at God's outstretched hand and say, not yet? He's made the path easy. He's made it as easy as he can. We must hear the word, Romans ten seventeen. So the faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how we understand these things. But let's be aware of this as well. When we go through these plans of salvation moments, we explain how God's laid it out. Not everyone's at the same point. Because maybe you've been hearing the word of the Lord for years. Maybe you know that Bible better than a lot of other people do. But maybe you haven't believed yet. You haven't believed what he's had to say. Maybe you just know it as it's what the Bible says, but maybe you don't truly believe it. Because according to John 8, 24, I said, therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not, then I am he, you shall die in your sins. But maybe you believe it's true. You understand that's what needs to be done, but... Maybe you're not willing to repent. Maybe there's some sin in your life that's just holding you back, and say, "I don't want to give it up." I can assure you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Acts seventeen thirty, in the times of the ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That is a necessity. That changed mind which brings a change of life, saying, I know this is what I've been doing before. I know this is the person I was before. I'm deciding to follow after a different guide. And based upon that repentance, saying, I'm going to follow after Him, it's just natural that we're going to do what's left. That we'd be willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the one who came to earth, lived that perfect life, so He could be your perfect high priest. He could be the perfect sacrifice for you. According to Romans 10.10, 10, for, for the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And based upon that confession, that public acknowledgement that yes, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I believe that to be true, and I'm going to follow after Him, We can baptize you into Christ. You have no idea how excited I am to say there's actually one back here. We can baptize you into Christ this very morning. I can assure you, we can wait to get to lunch. (laughs) Because that's important. And there's no reason for you to worry. There's no reason for you to hesitate to do that this very morning because that's what He has paved the way for you to do. Acts two thirty-eight. Peter is standing up, preaching the first gospel sermon. And what is his conclusion? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Remission, wiping away, left behind, no more a part of your life doesn't exist anymore. 1 Peter three twenty-one. The like figure whereinto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the, way, the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience toward God. But maybe this morning you're just not quite sure. You want to know a little more. Maybe you're thinking, I want to make that decision, but that's a big decision. And I just want a little more confirmation. We have plenty in this audience who would be happy to sit down and study with you so you can know more so that you can understand exactly what God expects of you and what God expects of me, because that's all what we're trying to do here. His Word comes first. If you have any need this morning, don't hesitate. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't act like you've got more time. If you have any need, please come as together as we stand as we sing.